Welcome to the Kindled Podcast. I'm your host, Haley Williams. The heart behind Kindled is to help moms use their gifts for God's glory and their good. We'll chat with real women who are learning how to do this very thing as they navigate motherhood, work, and the grace we need for both. This heart-to-heart is always had over a cup of coffee and usually paired with a business pep talk. We hope you'll find practical advice and the encouragement you need to work well and live more. Hello and welcome back to Kindled. This week on episode 27, I am talking with Kristen Schneider. Kristen is the owner of Wed Altered, a media and marketing company that takes wedding businesses through the method of sharing their message and growing their profit. She has owned a bridal boutique, organizes a community for business owners, and loves diving into all things marketing, branding, and storytelling to help businesses bring in more ideal clients who are ready to buy. This conversation with Kristen was so fun for me because I actually met Kristen back early in the first few years of when I was running my bridal accessories business, The Yellow Peony. And she was really essential for me in actually learning about the industry and getting my line to market and helping me just understand the ropes of how to sell wholesale. Um, It was just a really new world for me. And Kristen was just invaluable in learning the industry. And I know she has been just that for so many designers getting started. And she herself was a designer, but shifted and pivoted away from designing her own gowns to actually helping other designers get their their gowns and accessories in front of buyers. And so what we're focused on today is is talking about how Kristen has pivoted her businesses over and over and over again to kind of reflect the changes that she was seeing in the needs of the marketplace and the needs of the clients she was working with. So I think this episode is going to be really interesting for anyone who loves strategy and tactic and practical ideas for how you actually pivot when you see or or sense that that is becoming necessary in your business. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Kristen. All right, Kristen Schneider, welcome to Kindled. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So can you introduce yourself to the listeners and just uh, tell everybody who you are and what you do? Sure. Yeah. So like you said, my name is Kristen Schneider. I am the owner and creative director of What Altered. I started it years and years ago as a community for bridal designers, and it's kind of expanded its way into a um, like a hub for bridal designers. We have a space for bridal stores, and then we also kind of just have a general community for creative businesses and wedding businesses as well. And we do a lot of business building and strategy, but for the most part, we focus on, you know, you and I have talked about in the past, the idea of just like the marketing and the funnels and the sales strategy behind bringing in new good leads and then converting on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and then just to let everybody know how we met, we met through the bridal industry, obviously, mm-hmm. but when I ran the Yellow Peony, I found you through um, a local shop owner, Janae, right? I think Mm -hmm. she told me about you. And I reached out and you helped me get my business kind of off the ground and to market. And, um, you know, I've mentioned on the show before that I brought the line to New York Bridal Market a couple years ago, and you were the one that organized that entire collaborative effort between those independent designers and kind of gave us a place to all kind of collaborate and get a space together, which is so helpful when you're getting started because market is very unreachable for independent designers. If you don't know like what to do or how to do it or can't afford $10,000 for your own space. So, so that was, that's kind of how we met. 
Yeah, absolutely. And we still do. We actually were in the middle of all of that. We have October show coming up and we'll okay. be back in our own space. And, um, and we're, we're, shifting it a little bit because like you said, it really started as giving people a platform to create some kind of growth with the support for it to actually work. Cause there's always been those platforms, but there's not always that mm-hmm. community and the support built around it. So um, we are definitely doing that. I'm excited. We've got some special events and round tables and other like learning and business stuff too, not just the show. So it's yeah. Yeah, and taking on a life of its own, but it's fun. Yeah, that's so. cool. Oh, so, and we have a magazine. I always kind oh, of forget yeah. to say that in. <laughs> yes, you we do. We do a magazine four times a year. That's fun too. That's awesome. You just said it, but we can camp there for a minute. It's taken on a life of its own. You know, what I would love to hear from you is that you saw an opportunity, you saw a hole in the marketplace and in even your own clients' needs as you were working with people, helping them get to market, helping them start to get their businesses really in front of the people. And just for anyone who doesn't know, Bridal market is basically where designers take their line to show it to wholesale buyers. So store owners, bridal boutique owners from all over the world come to market. Markets all are, exist all over the, the country, actually. So like New York, Chicago, Atlanta. Yeah, Dallas. Um, okay. They, I think those are the only ones still standing. Okay. So that's it's it's essentially the marketplace for getting your products, your lines, your gowns, your accessories in front of the buyers who are stocking their boutiques every year. So, um, so Kristen really orchestrates helping independent designers. Is it primarily independent designers? It's all still independent. We we have us. You know, people are at different stages. Yeah, sure. Depending okay. on how long we've been in the group and everything like that. But yeah, yeah. It's still all independent. Okay. Yeah. So I just was noticing that, you know, you said it kind of took on a life of its own. And I'm imagining that's because you saw the opportunity that your clients needed. These designers needed more than just one way to get to get their businesses kind of in, in front of the right people. And they were, you don't want to only put all your eggs in that one basket of market is all I have. Because if that isn't where you make a, uh, you know, a huge splash, then what are you going to do the rest of the year? I mean, you've exactly. still got to sell product. You've still got to get new clients. So can you kind of talk about like what caused you to see that need and then how did you step into it? And what did that mean for your business as you started to pivot? Yeah, absolutely. So I actually had this whole, I had a whole five-year plan and profit and loss structure predictions and everything you know that doesn't actually like predict anything in business mapped out years and years ago, I had launched, uh, I was going to be a dress designer. I had always wanted to make wedding dresses. I had all this stuff figured out. Uh, and that was why I did market is I wanted somewhere to take my dresses. And I was reading, um, I was actually reading purple cow by Seth Godin. I will plug his books anytime I get a chance. They've mm-hmm. been every single one of them that I've read has led to some significant change in my business. So I was reading Purple Cow when I came up with the idea for the What Altered show. And that was just the idea that, okay, I didn't like the market opportunities that were presented to me for a couple of different reasons, just because of my branding. Like they're fantastic for certain brands, but they were not for what I wanted to do with my dresses. And I thought, well, why don't we do our own? So I was, it was kind of crazy, but in two months I had cold called and talked 15 other businesses into spending the money and the time to come to New York, having never met me. And I had never even set foot in New York until the day before we did the show. Oh my gosh. I didn't know. Cause I'd never been to the city and we, we pulled it off in like two months. We had our first, what altered show and we had 15 designers in there and we had hundreds of buyers coming through. And then we went back the next April and then we went back the next October and it's just kind of grown from there. And after two shows, I realized I was spending more time on what altered and helping other people sell their stuff than I was on mine. 
and I came from teaching. I was a teacher still when I was, when I was doing that, it was kind of still my side business. And, um, as that grew, I found I was teaching more and organizing the show in the community more and that I liked it a lot and that I was using that to procrastinate from doing my dress stuff. So it was kind of obvious where, like my, you've said, like my passion ended up being pretty apparent in one area and there was definitely a need because people were, were latching onto it and I loved it. And so we decided, you know, if we're going to spend all this time here, we need to turn it into a real functioning business. Because at that point it had been probably two years. We hadn't really looked at it being an actual business. It was more of a community and an outlet for my dress business. And instead we thought, you know, this is obviously need. I obviously like doing it. Let's put the focus there. So that was when I did just the show and I opened the store, which we had your pieces from Yellow Peony and everything stocked in there for years. Um, and so we had the store and what altered and those were supposed to go well together. Uh, and they both did well. I loved both of those, but for a couple different reasons, then last fall we pivoted away from the store and now do just what altered, which that has shifted to, it's not just the show. And you and I have talked about that. We can get into it a little bit more about what we do there. Um, but yeah, so there's been a lot of pivots. Yeah. Which I think is like not not abnormal at all for any business no. to you know it's it's an evolution it, it evolves your business just like your life it changes with seasons it evolves it grows as you do as your life you know your own personal life uh, changes and your needs or desires and passions and interests change so and what I thought was interesting about what you just said is that um, you started with the community you know you started wet altered to build a community you didn't start it with I mean, maybe you had business kind of long-term, you thought there's potential here for something, but you didn't have clarity on what that was yet. You just were like, I believe in this. I'm helping people. I I am filling a need. I'm solving a problem. And you went towards that. And I think that's really, really key in your story and why you have, why things have worked for you because you have headed towards wherever you can solve a problem. You know, I, I, I see that in your story just over and over again. Yeah. And honestly that, and, and when I, when I don't do it that way, when I try to come up with what's a profitable idea, those don't work. Um, so, but the, the things that have worked well for the community and turned out well for the people who are involved are things like, you know, we did the the show in the past, the community in general and, and different, different support system things that we've helped people with, but also like the magazine was the same way. There was one weekend where we were on the, I mean, you're part of the Facebook group. There's hundreds of people in there and everybody was talking and it was just like, somebody said something that made it click. And I'm like, you know what guys, we need a platform where everybody gets the information they need and the designers can share who they are with the buyers and the buyers can hear from experts about how to grow their store. And really the only way I see that working is a digital magazine. So give us a month and we'll have one. And (laughs) we did. So now we're on like the third issue for that too. So yeah, I mean, that can, that can shoot you in your, in the foot if you don't (laughs) learn to stay focused, but at the same time, when you can, if you can keep a rein on it, that's definitely the way to go. Yeah. It's like the difference between shooting bullets versus shooting cannonballs. You know, like if you see something you think might be a potential target you want to hit, you're not going to lob your largest cannonball after that right away. But you might shoot a bullet and see like, okay, well, hey, would you be interested in me helping you with this? And that's, Mm -hmm. it seems like that's normally how you start is you work Mm -hmm. one-on-one with people. And then after you kind of have proof of concept that, okay, somebody is going to pay me to do this. There are, if one person will do it, there are always others. And then, you know, scaling that concept to something that can actually help more people. Yeah, absolutely. And, and being aware that it doesn't automatically blow up every time. 
like we're still in like the magazine, it, it took off great, but it's definitely, you know, you, you see, an, you see it take off and then you see it flatline for a while and you have to be willing to ride out that flatline. Totally. It's the fact that other people don't, and you're the person who's going to. Yes. I love that. That makes the difference. And, you know, honestly, like we've got some stuff that we've pushed past that flat line and it's what's keeping us alive. And then we have two or three projects that I am super excited about. They're still in that flatline phase and it takes a lot to continue to pour into it. But you can tell, you start to develop, like if you, if you get good at following your gut and seeing those, this is a good opportunity for us. This aligns with our passion. This is something our clients need. This is something the community is really behind, you know, whatever it is, everything's got, it's something that makes it seem like it would be a good idea. If you start to really notice those, you can feel when stuff gets close to a breaking point. Yeah. And if you've managed to talk yourself into pushing past that breaking point once, that feeling starts to get more exciting and less terrifying. Because yeah. if you haven't pushed past it, the breaking point feels like it's your breaking point, not not the breaking point of this is about to take off. It just feels like you're about ready to fall off the edge. Right, right. It's it's hard. And honestly, sometimes it's even harder to walk away from something that you know, like you, you said, it, knowing when to walk away from something can be harder than pushing through. Absolutely. I think especially for people like you and I who are ideal idea people. I mean, you know, we've got a hundred ideas a day for businesses and I have to constantly just pull myself back in and say, no, I already have two, three, five things in the works that I need to finish and see through to the end or I'll never complete anything. I just get shiny object syndrome and I'm just like, oh my gosh, like I could do this. I could do this. And it is a, it is a challenge for sure, but it, it's hard to, it is hard to walk away. And I think that it becomes easier the more you do it. If you can get used to, if you can do it one time, then you can do a second time. And then you're going to have a couple under your belt where you're like, okay, I didn't die. You know, I kept mm-hmm. going and you realize that it's better to disappoint people early and often than to pretend like you can never disappoint anybody at all. Because I think that's how I've lived a lot of years as a entrepreneur, as even just starting out when I was working for an employer, I was so deathly afraid of ever disappointing anyone. And maybe one of the earliest times in my career that I disappointed someone was actually my first job. I only had it for one year and I Mm -hmm. had moved to DC for this job. They knew I was moving from Kansas to, you know, Maryland to come come out to the east coast and work and like create this fun life and then i got engaged and married and things suddenly changed and i was like you know this isn't where i want to build my life i want to be back in the midwest with my family and i had to leave after a year and i know they were really disappointed i mean they had invested like one year is what it takes to train and get someone comfortable in that in that yeah. role and that's expensive to lose someone after only a year and i knew that that was disappointing them but that was you know kind of my first time actually knowing this is going going to really disappoint someone. And I know, you know, when I, even as recent as selling my business, I knew I was going to be disappointed in myself to some degree, you know, disappointed that, man, I'm not the one that gets to carry this through all the way to whatever completion is. Mm -hmm. But being aware too, that like, there comes a point where you continuing to do it is not healthy for you or the business or the people around you. And because there's always opportunity cost. Yes, absolutely. You being in that spot is taking up the spot from somebody else who it would be their perfect fit. Exactly. Yeah. And when all three of those boxes are getting checked on a regular basis, I think it's time to, yeah, to really consider what else it could look like. I was going to say, I was really lucky because I had the same thing. My first job, I got my dream teaching job and I loved it. I loved my coworkers. I loved the students. I loved where we were. 
Um, my job description was exactly what I wanted to do. I was in special ed, but I was in inclusion. Like it was everything that was what I wanted and they were fantastic. And then I went on, I had to go on maternity leave in May of that first year. So like, I didn't even finish out the first year. Not only did they, were they awesome about that the whole year and they, I had my boss and coworkers donated sick days. Like my emotional investment in this job was so high. And I got a job offer that allowed me to work full time and stay home with my son and never have to go back from maternity leave. And I had to go in the day after my contract re-upped. So like legally they could hold me to it and basically nicely ask them if they would let me out of it after they had just bent over backwards to make my first year amazing. And I was terrified. I felt so bad. But it realistically, from a family perspective and where we wanted to be, this was going to allow us to move back to where I grew up. It was going to allow me to stay home and still work full time. Like it, every, it was right for us. Yeah. There was no question about that. Um, but I could not get over how bad I felt. Mm-hmm. And I walked in and told them and they were, I was so lucky at who was my boss and which should be apparent from the rest of my story. Right. But I started apologizing for like the third time. They're like, you will forget this in a week. Like we will be fine. There's other good teachers. And in a week you will be, you know, home with your son and doing what your family needs. Like stop saying you're sorry. Thank you for your year. Go enjoy your kid. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. And that was a huge help to me in realizing that you're really not disrupting other people's lives all that much. You really are not, you're a blip on the radar. They had another teacher in there a month later, I'm sure. Right. And and I think that just goes back to like, we all kind of feel like we're more essential to everybody's success than we really are. Um, mm-hmm. And not to say that, like, especially in, I guess I'm talking about in context where you are not the only one who can do the job. So yeah. when you are your kid's only mom, yes, you are essential to their success as a child and their upbringing. I mean, who else is going to raise them besides you and your your husband or you if you're a single mom? But in the context of of work and business, I think we we sometimes just put too much pressure on ourselves to think like, I am the only one who can help this person. I'm the only one who can do that. And that can force you to do a lot of things like stay in a place too long, um, doing the wrong service in your business, charging too little because you think that it's your duty to help that one person. If yeah. if you don't, no one else will. And then what will happen to their business and blah, blah, you know, I mean, we've all been there. If, if you own a business, you know exactly what I'm talking about, that you have made those kind of decisions before and it, it's really dangerous. So yeah. I think what you did with, with pivoting and just your story of how you, your business has morphed and morphed over and over again is a, a, a sign of health, you know, that you're actually kind of going where you need to go instead of like digging your heels in and saying, no, we'll never change. Yeah. It's, it, it, I have to, I, I appreciate that. I have to admit that I, it takes me a lot of talking myself into a decision and um, there's always the breaking point where you realize it's the right thing to do. And even then, like I still haven't given up my store lease. The store is empty <laughs> and I go work in it at my desk because I can't talk myself into giving up my mural and my space yet. I mean, I'm oh going to this month. Yeah. I'm supposed to give them notice, but you know, I kept coming up with reasons why we still needed the space. So I, I get the emotional connection you have yeah. towards like a project that you've built and stuff like that. And it is, it does, it takes a lot. Well, again, I've been, I've had good I've had good support system. And I want to say I've been lucky, but I haven't been, you know, I've been blessed with my husband. I've been blessed with my family, their amazing support, and they know how to push the right buttons to help me see, you know, if I need feedback, they're there to give it. Um, And they're good at like supporting me no matter what in giving me that, you know, I feel confident in making my own choices and stuff like that too. But then I've also sought out the support, like just in that I have, you know, 
a community run ideas by and a business coach and all that kind of stuff too, which I know you provide a lot of that for your community and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And that the support is so key as you're, as you are making those big changes in your business. So d- would you say that the way you're doing business now is, has more closely aligns with your own passions and interests as an individual? And is that kind of part of this process that you've uncovered more and more about what you really want to be doing? Yeah. And I, I would have, I would not have taken the bet five years ago. If you had like laid out, here's what you're going to be doing. I started with a a deep desire to do the sewing and the dresses. It did not surprise me necessarily when we saw that shift towards teaching and community, community building and coaching, because that's something I had known forever. I, I was a teacher. That was my identity at the time. So it wasn't that big of a shift there for me mentally. The shift to marketing, sales, growth, strategy, design, um, that one surprised me a little bit more. But to be honest, it's I love it. You know, it's the stuff where I'd find myself up at two or three in the morning doing my own website or building our own funnel or doing branding for somebody just because when they were talking to me about market, I'm like, look, you need to fix this. Let me do it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I didn't know that was a passion. I didn't know that that was going to be something I was really interested in five years ago, but it's been developing over the last three or four years as I've learned more and more about it and done it for myself and done it for clients. So it's been a very natural progression, but it was not one that I would have been able to predict at all. And it's absolutely like, I love it. I love it. Yeah. It's been so funny to see that develop, to be honest. I kind of feel like I've been watching it from the sidelines almost. Yeah. Sometimes it feels that way as you're like, wait, I feel like I'm going this direction and I did not plan to go here, but here I am going. And and you just kind of have to sometimes really go with the current. And, you know, I think that's that's maybe a misconception that that everybody who's out there like who who appears to be a leader or appears to have vision or direction for their path that they are directing it or that they are somehow calling the next shot and while i do think it's important to have a vision for where your where your life or where your business is going like long term like where do you want to be who you know what's important to you what do you value often those you know the next steps they kind of just come to you and they or you you find yourself somewhere doing something and you're like this totally makes sense i couldn't have pictured myself doing this, or I wouldn't have thought of this on my own, but here I am doing this and, you know, supernaturally um, being led to the, the next place in that journey. So it's really cool to see that. Are there any like steps that you would, you would say somebody, you know, who's feeling like I need to pivot? I don't know if it, it's, it's a business or a career or are there anything like you've done this so many times. I feel like you, you could be somewhat of a pro by now. Like, are, is there anything they can do to to get clarity in that place before they're making that move and and how to actually do that? Yeah, I, ha- I have done at least three or four big shifts I can think of off the top of my head since I decided like, I'm going to do this and start a business. It confuses my accountant to no end, by the yeah. way. Like every year I go in, he's like, okay, so what are we at? Like, what's our actual business this year? <laughs> so I can figure out the profit and loss methods. Um, but <laughs> first read the book, The Dip by Seth Godin. So I, I said the purple cow was like my... Mm-hmm. that kicked off my idea on how we're going to do things in a way that is kind of like, it's different than the way everybody's been doing it. But when it came to, I haven't used it every time, but one of the hardest things for me to let go of was the store because I felt like that was where I had arrived through the other two or three shifts. So to let go of something again, I, I remember talking to somebody when I was running the idea by them, one of my mentors. And I remember saying like, look, I understood the first shift because anybody who starts a business is going to not know exactly where they want to take it. So while I felt bad about losing the money and the time, 
it's not, it wasn't surprising that my first idea was not exactly as fleshed out as I thought it was going to be because I was coming in blind. And then when I shifted the second time, well, I was going back to what I was good at. I was teaching. That didn't surprise me that much. And then the store, you know, it was going well. It was growing from one year to the other. We had had 300% increase in the wow. amount of sales that we had had. But I knew I was only putting 20 hours a week towards it because I was trying to do what altered at the same time. I wasn't seeing my son at all. Um, one of them, the other ones are home during the day. So it wasn't as big, but he had just started school and stores are evenings and weekends. So all of a sudden I was only seeing him on Sunday afternoons and like that obviously was not cool with me. And then, so there are all these reasons why I saw it coming. Cause like you said, I had done it before I knew I needed to shift, but I could not, there was a huge resistance bigger than you would think having done it before. Because I told my mentor, I'm quitting again. Like I can't, I I understood the first time I was okay with the second time. Now I see this other major shift and it's really bothering me because now I'm starting to wonder if it's not just me quitting when stuff hits a certain point. Yeah. And that is really not something that sits well with my personality. (laughs) Reading the book, The Dip, that particular time, the way he spoke to seeing the difference between the good and the great, he really drives that point home really well. Yeah. And so I, you know, I, I get input from people. I read stuff like that book. You try to really kind of think it out. And then what I've done every time in one, I mean, the the method changes a little bit, but sitting down and I'll write out in three to five years, what would this look like? If I went all in on this direction, Mm -hmm. what would it look like? And if I went all in on this other direction, what would it look like? I mean, you're, you're talking a business, so you need to look at money too. Like what can it scale to? What does the team look like? What's the reality behind the funding you need to get? Like you need to work out the details there, but it's also, am I working mornings or nights? Am I working 50 hours or 10? Like you can, you run out the lifestyle choices too, that go with the, the, the business details and which one actually sounds fun. And I, I probably can dig up the picture for you at some point, but my first crisis in switching from dress to wet altered and store, I have a picture. I, I kind of realized halfway through the process, just what a big shift this was for me. Cause it was the first time I had done it. So I don't think I really realized how important it was the decision I was making towards my business until I was almost done. But I, I took a picture because I thought, I think this is going to be important in the future. Like I want to remember what I did to make this decision. And I had taped, 20 pieces of printer paper on the wall around my dining room. And it was like three in the morning because I was having this like midnight anxiety crisis about what do I do with my life now? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And uh, I had gotten up, I had a giant Sharpie and I wrote that vision out on all of those pieces of paper on the wall. And I just sat and stared at it for like a half an hour. You know, I think from what I followed of your audience and stuff like that, that this will fit, you know, I sat and stared at it and I was, you know, praying for direction and all of that kind of stuff. And Mm -hmm. Wherever you're getting direction from is is important to you personally and stuff like that was a huge thing was to put it in front of me and then to really go with the gut answer of what actually feels like the right decision. And then to be honest, being okay with closing a door mm-hmm. and realizing, it, I, and I think it's because we get scared. It's the scarcity stuff you were talking about a little bit ago. Nobody else is going to help these people or if I shut down this income, you know, I'm going to have to get it in another way. And that's scary too. And like, Mm -hmm. maybe if I, if I have five things going, that's five different income streams. And that's just not how, that's not how business works. Like you can't be launching five things at once. So getting past that scarcity and knowing nothing is permanent, you only be doing what makes sense in the moment. And you need to have a vision for where you're headed, but being ready to acknowledge that you can go with the flow um, and trusting that if you're careful about getting that direction and that vision, that it's going to work out the way it's supposed to. 
Yeah, totally. I think that there's some really good takeaways from everything you just said. One of them that I particularly identified with was really carrying anything out that you're that you're in right now. If you feel okay, uncertain, you know, you're having those nudges or those promptings or, you know, you feel like okay, this might not be what I should be doing. What if this isn't it? And I'm I'm wondering that question, you know, keeps coming up and I'm still plugging ahead, but it just seems like something isn't quite right. Asking yourself and carrying it out three to five years in advance. What does this look like in five years? Where is this headed if I keep going the direction I'm going? Um, if I keep following the path, the plan that, that I've kind of laid out in my mind, or maybe you actually have a real business plan that you're following, and then you should really know where you're going to be at in five years, hypothetically. But if you follow that out, um, often I think we don't like wh- what we see. I did that with, with my web design business earlier this fall. And that was when I followed the path to what I was doing at the time, which was taking the wrong types of clients, working too hard, doing things that I didn't love. I was like, where does this go? If I keep on this path for five years, I'm going to be even more burnt out, more tired. I mean, less fulfilled. I won't be living into really what I feel like is my true gifting, which is is more alongside, uh, you know, really, I hate always using the word coaching, but encouraging and inspiring and teaching and, and that, you know, sort of what you were talking about, just, I knew that I had those skills and wanted, and they were totally underutilized. And when I did that, it really woke me up a little bit. Cause I was like, well, something's got to change then. And so it's then now it's not even, it's not a question of if, it's when, you know, and when will I start changing and, and shifting that what I'm putting all my eggs in, you know, which basket I'm putting all my eggs in or where I'm placing all of my time or where I'm spending all of those paid babysitting hours of, you know, productive work time. Um, and, and as you start to really ask that question, it can be very, uh, very scary because then it's like, well, what am I going to be doing then? But, but I feel like we have to start there. We have to start with really carrying out from today, three to five years and asking yourself, do you love what you see? Because owning a business is just simply too hard if you don't love it. It's just simply, it's not worth it. It's way too much work. You would be better off going and getting a job, doing something you do love, working for someone else than trying to to build a business that you hate or that you hate doing the thing that it is that you're doing. You know, I, I just, I believe that. I, I believe it's it's way too hard and life is too short to live, you know, killing yourself for something that you don't actually love. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it is that running that vision out is important and it's hard, I think, because you what you said, and that's why I loved the dip so much is that I, like I said, one of my hangouts was, I felt like I was just quitting again. And it wasn't the reality, but you know, like the voices and the loops that we have going on and everything. And he did a really good job illustrating the process you're talking about and taking it and saying, am I like, am I going to be miserable if I follow this through to the end? And he, he kind of likened it to, it's where the title comes from a dip in the road versus a cliff. Mm Mm-hmm. And that it can be hard when you're at point B to see which one it is. And you need to figure it out before you continue to fall. Like, is this something I need to push through? Is it a dip that's going to let me go up a hill and and get to the top? Or is it a cliff? And this is just going to get worse and worse and worse the longer I drag this out. Yeah, that's really helpful. That visual makes a lot of sense. And he does, it, it. he literally does drawings and stuff in the book. And it really is, it's hard because in the moment, they both feel like exactly the same thing. Yes, yeah. 
and you have to try to get that vision and it can be, it can be a difficult vision to pull together, but I mean, your gut knows and your guidance knows and everything that you pull in to help direct your life. Like it knows better than you want to give it credit for. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Those are helpful. Okay. Well, I'm reading the dip. So let's talk about a little bit. You are in a niche. You're in a really specific niche in as far as the marketing services that you're helping your clients with and, and the types of clients that you're serving in your, in wet altered. So you found a niche, um, maybe just, you know, naturally because of what you were already doing, making gowns and, and designing dresses. But I would imagine that it's been sort of a challenge to kind of stay true to that niche over time as your skills and expertise have kind of broadened and it could apply. I mean, people need sales funnels in every industry, right? And I mean, everybody needs email marketing, essentially. There's no industry that doesn't, couldn't benefit from it. So how have you decided to stick to it? How have you continued to um, serve those people? Has it been challenging and has there been a benefit to it? Um, so the way I've decided to stick to it has been kicking and screaming the entire time. <laughs> I I constantly go through this loop of this is too this is too specific this is too small this isn't right I need to expand and I'll I'll like play around with the idea or I'll try to launch something and then I'll get pulled back in one way or another either from my own I'm doing it again I need to stop it or from like I said the good I've got a good support system built up around me and a lot of that has been intentional and and some of it's just been a blessing but keeping the reality of this is where I want my focus right now. And that's been, a, for me, that's a big part. I have, I have a file in my Evernote. I'm a big like digital mm-hmm. organization person. So I, I use Evernote all the time. And I have a file in my Evernote that's literally called parking lot. So like for me, that helps with the difference between this is it's never permanent. That takes a lot of the fear out for me. So I can be focused on something for the next six months or two months or whatever and recognize that, okay, so yeah, I mean, right now I'm serving just these people because that's what makes sense given my vision and my goals and, and the current things I have in place. But that doesn't mean in six months I can't serve somebody totally different. Mm-hmm. So when I have an idea or when I have a, oh, I should try this or this would be a good expansion or whatever. And I know with my gut that it's not the right time to do that. The way I can keep those blinders on is to put it in my parking lot. So I have like a little thing where I, I put my idea down and then I have a system where I know I'm going to revisit it at a certain point. And if it's still a good idea, it's still a good idea kind of thing. Yeah. But it is, it's hard. And it's, it's also scary when you're so narrow. Like I go through this, it, there's no way I'm going to be able to make this work with such a small audience or, you know, whatever. But then, you know, first of all, you have to be in reality. Sometimes that's true. Like some people have niches that it's just too narrow given the product they have on on offer and the price point that they're offering it. It's just not like the the numbers aren't there kind of thing, Mm -hmm. but that's not usually the case. Usually it's scarcity or concern or whatever that's coming from an internal thought loop than reality. And usually whatever niche you're in is plenty big enough. And there's somebody who's making money that way. So you can too, or there's somebody who's done a similar thing in another relative, like relative fashion, and you can do it in your niche or whatever. For me, because I do tend to have a really analytical way of looking at stuff. I'll just sit down and figure that out. So like, I know that about 230,000 people get married every day. That's not a small industry. Yeah. Like when that many clients are going through and you know, because I, I don't serve the couples themselves. I serve the, the businesses. So I feel like that's really narrow. That sounds really narrow to me until I sit down and think, well, how many florists do I know in the city of Cleveland? A lot. I mean, I could name 
two dozen off the top of my head, just from being in the networking I'm in around here. How many photographers do I know just in the city of Cleveland? Mm -hmm. Dozens. How many bridal stores? How many videographers? Like by the time you actually sit down and look at your niche, like look at the numbers, not what your fear is telling you, but the actual numbers. And I guarantee you, even if you convert only 2% of the industry, like you take that share of the industry as you grow, Mm -hmm. It's way, it's way big enough to support the dreams you have for your future. You're just, yeah. it's the fear talking nine out of 10 times. And if you think about, it, I think recently, so like Apple, right? Like they, we don't think of them as a niche product, but they only, I think they only capture somewhere between like 10 and 15, maybe 16% of the market share of people who buy computers. Hmm. Wow. Um, that's not big, Mm-mm. but we still see them as the biggest player in the industry in a lot of different ways. I mean, not a hundred percent of the time, but in a lot of different ways they are. Um, So if you think about like the empire you want to build for yourself, are you giving yourself the right platform for it? Probably. Like there's probably more than enough space Mm -hmm. and anything that makes you think your niche is too narrow or it's too specific or whatever is probably, it's probably more fear talking and scarcity than reality and numbers. And that can be helpful to run those numbers. If you're, if that's how your brain works, which is how mine works that's really effective for me. I mean, if it's not, and you're more of a visionary person, just tell yourself the story over and over again of what it's going to look like when you push past that fear. But, um, and, and realize it's not permanent. You can shift. You're allowed to shift. You just don't have to shift today. Yeah, totally. That is helpful. And it does take the, that feeling of being like stuck in a room with nobody like forever. Cause I think that's how you start. You can start to feel if you are in a niche, like, okay, but who's here with me. I feel like I'm alone. Like what's the point if I'm, if nobody's here. But if you find that after time, nobody is there, then just go to a different room. You know, I mean, you're not not actually locked, locked in. It's, it's a decision that you're making for yourself. And something that I have heard, um, and I'm sure you've heard this is that if you, when you are trying to speak to everybody, you're speaking to nobody. So if you think as a business owner and entrepreneur that you're too narrow and you just need to reach more people and you could really serve, you know, what have the service like sales and marketing funnels, those can work for any business in any industry, anywhere in the world right now. There's not a single one that could not benefit. But if you think that you're going to go out and be successful with that message that I can serve anyone in any business in any industry, and I have no expertise in any one area, I'm just your marketing and sales girl. I mean, you become a voice among thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people who are already saying the exact same thing. And there's nothing special about you. And it turns into, you're not really speaking to anybody because you're speaking to everybody. And so nobody self-identifies themselves as being your perfect customer. They don't go, oh, Kristen Schneider, she specializes in the wedding industry. She has a lot of experience in that. You know, people don't want um, a Jack or Jill of all trades. They want the, the, the master. They want the, like, this is my area of expertise. This is like what I do best. And this is what I live and breathe and sleep all day. I think it's just as a point of encouragement, but also for those who are listening, who feel that pull towards always saying, you know, I can serve anyone. I can serve everyone. You, you can't, and you won't. So if you think you'll serve everyone, you'll serve no one. And that's, that's the risk you run when you fail to identify any sort of niche at all within your, your industry that you're serving. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it can be a hard, it can be a hard thing to talk yourself into. Like I recognize super hard. Yeah. But it it is in, incredibly important, if nothing else for your own sanity Mm -hmm. as you're running your business, because it is hard enough to pull direction out of thin air 
if you don't have some kind of guiding ideas behind what you're going to be aiming for. And I think you mentioned, if you talk to everybody, you're, you're really talking to nobody again. I'm, and I, I'm going to revert to Apple again. I know we hear a lot about them when it comes to like business, mm-hmm. businesses, stuff well, but you have to admit they've done it well. They, if you think about it, the ad campaigns that made them famous were those two guys, right? Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they set that as a very specific, they were aiming at young professionals, you know, the hip, mentality was who they were talking to. I mean, they were directly making fun of the majority of the population as they're advertising. And um, that would be a pretty scary marketing pitch to make from an ad perspective. (laughs) Like, hey, not only are we going to only talk to this really small segment who typically don't have as much money as the other parts of the population anyway, we want them to actively make fun of the larger segment of people that you were hoping were going to spend money for, for your products. I mean, it totally worked <laughs> and it worked. And this is why is that other people want to be that person. Yes. So yeah. like you're, you're talking to one specific person and you're going to resonate really well with them. And those are the people you're dying to work with anyway. And, and it may not be the young hip professional. It might be, you know, the, the single mom who wants to do X, Y, or Z, or the 55 year old people who are in the middle of a career change, you know, to, to, they don't want to retire, but they want to move to try something new or whatever. Like everybody's got their niche. It's a small population. That's really important, but you're, you're talking to them, but you're not going to just catch them in your net that you're getting the direct conversation to people who are going to be like, this person is speaking to my soul. I cannot wait to sign on the dotted line. That's what you're aiming for. And that's going to make you happiest in who you're serving anyway, but you're also going to pick up the people who want to be those people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just have to have some language and some, you know, some content out there that speaks to the customer in the slow lane who isn't already like, oh my gosh, I want to give you my money. But the one who's like, I, I think that, that you're someone that I need to talk to in the future. Like Mm -hmm. maybe I'm not ready yet, but I identify with a lot of what you're saying. And I, and I'm drawn to it for some reason, because you're, you're saying the things that speak my language, they're self-identifying themselves as your potential customer. And then you just got to help them kind of work through wherever they're at, or maybe it's just a timing thing. So yeah, absolutely. And it's what turns your sales into serving people instead of sales from a selfish standpoint, like you're helping people find what is going to serve them. Well, that's the end of story. You don't feel like you're trying to pitch anything because you already know that the people who are coming and listening to you, like that it's a good fit Mm -hmm. and it's something that's going to benefit them. And that helps a lot. Um, one, it makes your life easier as a salesperson, but two, it makes it easier to provide good service because you know, you're getting the right people. And the right fit is as important as doing a good job because you can do a stellar job and it can be for the wrong person and it doesn't matter. Like you could do everything you're supposed to do and you might still end up with a dissatisfied customer and it's not your fault or their fault. It, you, you were starting from the wrong point. I forget who, I know she's got pinup hair and something, um, but she says you can be the juiciest peach of the wor- in the world and there's still going to be people who hate peaches. That's not, that's not your audience. That's not your customer. Right. Yeah, that's really helpful. Are there any issues that you are seeing your clients kind of struggle with over and over again? I know you work with a lot of female entrepreneurs and I'm curious specifically as far as like mindset and kind of those types of issues because you've mentioned a few of them, the scarcity mindset. And I know you talk about the imposter syndrome, but if there's like one thing that you're seeing people really struggle with, what is it and, and how are you helping them through that? I think the single biggest thing in mindset if you, if you had to narrow down like one thing I wish everybody could get, and I'm not saying that because I, you know, I'm perfect in it at all. It's the one thing I need to latch onto the hardest every single time too. the expectation that things will end positively 
instead of the expectation that things tend to go in a negative fashion is at the, I think at the core of every other mindset issue. So like when we see things as the world almost never works out in our favor and not just us, but like in general, like we, you know, we see it as competition is a zero sum game, meaning that like there's only so many customers out there. And if one business is doing well, then there's no way we can. And, you know, if, if one kid's, if one kid's doing well, then our kid can't do well. Like it, it's there in business, it's there in families, it's there in everything, but just the expectation that like stuff tends to go badly and that you're constantly in a battle to get what you want instead of the expectation that the world is pretty awesome. In general, people are good people. If you give them the chance to be that and that the universe or God or whatever, they, they think you're a pretty amazing person and they love you and want what's best for you. Like that changes your mindset so significantly. Um, the scarcity goes away, your doubt of your worth as a person and imposter syndrome goes away, your, this is overwhelming and I don't know what to do goes away. Not because you don't all, you know, none of that stuff magically gets fixed. It's just that you have that trust that in time things work, Mm -hmm. you know, where you are right now might not feel like it, but in time things work for your good and the good of other people around you when you are, when, you know, you're invested in making it that way. Yeah. I don't know if that answers your question. I, I think it does. And I, I, I totally agree. And that's hard when you're a pessimist like me um, and you tend towards just always kind of thinking worst case scenario, which mm-hmm. is totally how I am and how my brain works. But I have, it, it is something that you can learn and it's something that you can make it like a muscle that you just, when you feel yourself kind of go that automatic direction of, well, it's probably not going to work. Go, no, no, that's not true. That's not a fact. That's just a thought I'm having. A thought does not, you having a thought does not make it reality. And and if you were to have the thought, it is going to work, then what would that mean you would do? You would actually start something. You would actually try. You would actually pay the babysitter for the time you need to do the work that you need to do to make it happen. You might not go, well, it's not worth it or, well, it probably won't work or, well, you know, it's just going to be a waste. And, you know, and, and that's what I see a lot of people doing as they're kind of twiddling their thumbs or, or waiting for something to give them that certainty. The certainty never, ever exists. There is no certainty. There's no guarantee. You have to believe that it will work out, like you said, and that it'll be okay in the end, even if it doesn't. Like, even if this one idea you have doesn't work out. I mean, someone could argue that you've had, you know, four and you, your, your own mind has told you you've had four failures, but no, you've actually found four more, four doors to walk through to find something that is more close to what you want to be doing. You know, it, you didn't yeah. fail four times you got more clarity four times. And so someone doesn't have to think like, if this doesn't work out this time, then I'm a failure and I'll never amount to anything. They can think the only difference between them and someone more successful is that that person has actually taken a step and either they have actually failed or they have failed forward. And the only way you really truly fail is by just giving up. You know, I think when you keep moving forward, that is not, that should not even be called failure. That should be called um, progress, you know, you've, you've gotten more clarity. And I think it's, we're just so afraid. I'm so afraid of, you know, messing up or not achieving what I think that I can or should achieve that that can cause me to just be stuck in inaction for way too long. Yeah. And it is it, that failing forward is when we say it, like, it, it's hard to still, it still shows that we still feel like we're failing mm-hmm. too. And that's mm-hmm. such a hard thing for us to scrub from the, like the mentality. And, and also, I mean, just the idea that, 
And I, it's funny because it's so, everything is so contradictory when we talk about all this stuff. Like I feel like we say one thing is like, oh, that is so true. And I love it. And then you say something else and it's so true and I love it, but they don't sound like they should go together. So I'm going to directly contradict something I said earlier, but I talked about how we're like a blip on the radar when it comes to other people. At the same time, your impact can be so huge in such a small amount of time you don't have to hang around for it to continue to be there. Like we talked about how we met. Mm-hmm. Neither of us are doing the exact same thing we did when we met. Right. But it played a part in both of our decisions played a part in the other person's journey. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to stay on the same path to, to be impactful. I know that's a direct contradiction to what I said about how you can walk away and it's not a big deal, but no, I don't think it is. I think it's just, it's it, everything is both and right. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like, as, especially as a mom, you're like, I both want to be with my children and be away from them at the same time. <laughs> you, yeah. you want that all the time. And you're like, how can I feel so complicated? It's like, as soon as they yeah. go to bed, you look at pictures of them, you watch videos. And, and I think, think that it's true that you're less important than you feel, but you also have more potential than you realize, you know, it's at the exact same time. And I don't mean anybody's not valuable as a human being. I just mean, you are not essential to the operation of the universe. Like you, you can just take that off your back. You don't have to carry the whole world. Like everyone is going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's the identification of the difference between your inherent and in immortal worth versus your like daily importance kind of thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, you showing up is making the world better as long as you're doing the right thing in the meantime. Like it's not dependent on any particular action you're taking. Right. And then another dichotomy you made me think of when you were talking, it's kind of back to your question about like, what's one mindset thing you wish people would pay attention to is also, I think, I feel like you said something like this earlier, but the difference between something that people always want that, that magic solution and consistency is really the answer to almost all of it when it comes to business but it's, it's simple to, to say. So people get annoyed when you tell them that's the answer mm-hmm. and it's really hard to implement. Mm-hmm. So they get annoyed again at you when you say, but you're not doing it. Yeah. So I think that's another, like, people don't like that answer. And I say people to include myself, but it's really like, it's just continuing to show up. And that mindset is really hard to get into. And then I, there was one other thing you said, um, you said, oh, uh, what would you do? If you weren't worried about it working, what would you do? That is like the number one journal prompt I give myself. Mm-hmm. Like if you weren't worried about, depending on whatever I'm worried about at the money uh, at the moment, if you weren't worried about the money coming in, if you weren't worried about this project working out, if you weren't worried about having time with your kids, yeah, what would you be doing? If there wasn't fear involved in the decision, what would this look like? And that is such an important thing to, to talk yourself through. It, it almost goes back to what you said when you were saying, how do you know when to pivot? Mm-hmm. Like if you can answer that question honestly to yourself, you'll know which way to go in any of those cases. And that's another book that dives into that real well in almost a more nihilistic way. Um, Cause you said you, you tend to go towards the pessimism mm-hmm. and I, I definitely have that worrier in me too. And it's almost like if you can realize that and embrace it, you can answer these questions to yourself too. So- I love it. Um, well, Kristen, that's so helpful. Everything you said is just so tangible uh, as far as advice for people who are struggling with a decision to pivot or uh, or to change or shift the direction that their business is going in, which I think we all are on a daily basis. I mean, we continue to have to make choices about what we're doing, what we're saying yes to and what we're saying no to. So I think that's all so applicable. It's the sign of a healthy business too. Yeah. You yeah. Ask yourself that question lately. Right. Absolutely. So the three questions I ask every guest are, are there any efficiency or productivity tips that you have found that have just been life-changing for you? Allowing other people to do things. So I am not the world's most organized person. And I, I do work at that. Like that definitely has improved over the last 10 years, but 
um, also realizing that it's, it's okay to hand certain things off. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a cliche answer, but it's one that has, it takes a really long time to get used to. So like, for example, and I haven't done a lot of it super on purpose, but I'll, I'll recognize when systems are falling into place that works. Like I have an assistant who will ping me until I do something I'm supposed to do because <laughs> she knows I'm going to forget. And that's stuff like that's very helpful. I have a business coach who's good at keeping me in a direction. I, you know, my family helps in certain ways. We have other support systems set up and I'm not saying like, go out and you don't have to go out and hire a bunch of people. You can have other ways to support. Like for example, my husband and I have kind of naturally fallen into this thing where I do all of the grocery shopping and he does all of the cooking. I don't know at what point that happened, but we realized it was how it was working and it's great. And I know that every day for about an hour and a half, I have time to get that done while he's doing dinner. You know what I mean? So like finding what works for you and your setup, that's not going to work for everybody, but it works for us. But I had to get used to the fact of, I don't, you know, I don't cook dinner and that's okay. You know what I mean? And I know that sounds stupid, but it is, it's, yeah. it's important. So productivity is only helpful to a certain point. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that is really, um, really hard to actually learn and put in place in your own life. Uh, what do you do for fun? Reading, basically. Like if I get a free time, I would I would want to read. That and getting getting out of the house. Yeah. I don't always get out of the house as often as I want to when you work from home half the week. Oh, totally. I know. Or slash without kids. That's another thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, at this point, I'm just happy if I leave the house even with the kids. But yeah, getting out of the house, particularly without kids is great. Um, and then how do you rest? Actually, that's probably the same answer. I know this is probably really weird, but I I look at real estate sites like on a regular basis. I love seeing other people's houses. So like I I have a whole page of Pinterest boards where I've got like castles in Ireland and I've got stuff in Canada and I've got places (laughs) in our town and like all this kind of stuff. And it's just something that's always really interested me is it's part the design and it's part the marketing. It's also just, I love seeing places and how people live and stuff. So I'll look at stuff like that, or I'll watch like shows of people setting up their lives in new cities and stuff. And where can people connect with, connect with you online? Um, so if you are, if you happen to be a bridal store, I know that we talked about what a small niche that is, um, find us at wet altered, um, and any other wedding professional can find me there as well. And, um, that's spelled altered A L T E R E D like changed, not alter, like the altar in church. That's, Mm. that was supposed to be a clever pun and it's turned out to just be confusing. And and then otherwise anybody else is more than welcome to find me at kristenschneider.com and Haley, you're going to have to show them how to spell my name. Okay. Yeah. We'll link it in the show notes so everyone can just click right over. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for coming on and encouraging us and just sharing part of your story and where you've been at with your business. I I benefited from it personally and I know others will too. So thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And it was great to catch up. I know seeing what you've built over the last few years has been pretty incredible. Well, same to you. Same to you. Thank you so much, Kristen. Thank you, Haley. I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye. Okay, guys. Well, I hope that you love that conversation as much as I did and found it encouraging, inspirational, as well as giving you a few takeaways. If you are feeling stuck or feeling like what you're doing is no longer serving your audience in the best way you possibly could, but you're not sure how to take that next step or what that would look like, I think this conversation was probably just really refreshing for you. So if you want to connect with Kristen, Kristen, go ahead and go to kindledpodcast.com to read the show notes from the show and you will find links to all of her social channels as well, well as anything that we mentioned in the show. And 
don't forget to find me on Instagram as well. If you have not, I'm at Kindled Podcast and I love hearing from you and saying hello. Let me know if you're a new listener, first time listener, if you just found the show, how you found it. I just love connecting with you guys directly because as you know, I am recording these all alone in my office. And while it is just really exciting to talk into a microphone all by yourself and pretend like you're having a conversation with someone, it can be a little lonely. So I would love to just hear that you're enjoying the episodes or hear from you what more you want to hear about on the show and what topics you want to hear more of. I do giveaways regularly on Instagram when my guests have books or other things to give away. I love doing Insta story pep talks when I am inspired and the mood strikes and a moment without, you know, a toddler who needs a snack uh, poured into a bowl for them. So come say hi and I will talk to you guys next week. I plan to have an exciting announcement to share with you next week on the show. So be sure and tune in next Monday. Thanks, guys.